Previously on the Illumination Cinema Movie Podcast. And I want you to do me a favor. Yeah. Name three Bob Clark movies. Black Christmas, Porky's, uh, Other Than Christmas Story, uh, Baby Geniuses. <laughs> good job. Actually, that's a good job. Yeah. Essentially, like, Porky's funded A Christmas Story. Like, that's pretty much the only reason I knew about it. People say, like, you know, horror fans say that like black christmas is good i haven't I, I, I haven't seen any of his movies besides christmas story that's such a weird like it is it's weird to that... imagine <laughs> it's so great that it's called black christmas yeah just like by association it's the weirdest thing it's something i'll have to eventually check out but i mean <laughs> seven years later Hello, and welcome to the Illumination Cinema Movie Podcast, with your hosts, Tyler W. Moore, David Wayne Young, and a special guest. Yes, hello. Welcome to the Illumination Cinema Movie Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm David Wayne Young. And with us today... Is who's with us today? Who is with <laughs> us today? And, and with Who us... Who the hell's to- this guy? In this corner... I know, in this corner, I, 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 my name is Kurt Choate. Um, I am a guest here today. I've been invited uh, by you lovely people, and I'm, I'm happy to participate. Woo! What, what are, tell the folks at home what you're known for. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I have created a script and a short, and we, Illumination Cinema is actually helping me produce it and bring it to fruition. Um, and so... You know, with the short being a horror and we're discussing a horror movie, um, I think it's just, it was, it's very uh, 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 serendipitous that I am here. There was the word I was looking for, serendipitous. What else are you known for? Yeah, there's one other thing, though. Yeah, you're, you're already known for a project. That's been released. Yeah, you you have a you have an IC filmography. Oh, I do have a filmography. My goodness, um, I I I, <laughs> I was in a, a a little a little movie that was produced by Illumination Cinema, um, known as Personal History, That's um, and apparently I made quite a splash. Yes. Um. Um. So so that was a very nice little accolade. Thank you so much for that. Yes. All Thank right. You. So today we're watching Bob Clark's other Christmas movie, Black Christmas. So let me tell you folks, I had actually, to many people's surprise, I'm sure, never seen this uh, prior to yesterday when I watched it. You know, I, I have uh, I, I have a love of, of horror films and I love the film A Christmas Story. Uh, that's like sitting like <laughs> a Christmas story and John Carpenter's Halloween are like sitting and, you know, my probably my top 10, top 20 uh, movies of all time. And when you put them together. <laughs> yeah. And when. Yeah. It's like uh, and I mean, I can talk about the comparisons a little bit just because they often are uh, Halloween and Black Christmas. But no, it's really it's just it's, it was just weird that I hadn't seen it before and it was much discussed. Um, but you know, this was when I heard about it initially, this is back in the day where, you know, streaming was around, uh, but it's like 2006. So it's not as big as it is today. So it was more so, is it at your local small town video store? No. Well, you're not going to watch it. (laughs) Um, and then it wasn't like, I mean, there wasn't a huge push to go see it by any means. Um, I kind of like almost... It was like one of those things that would kind of come up a little bit and then I'd forget about it. I think we were having, we were working on, uh, we are doing a production meeting for Kurt's short film. And I think Black Christmas came up at some point. I gave the same spiel I just gave. And uh, I think I just turned to David and said, well, you know what we got to do. Oh, it's yeah. got to be our Christmas special this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I didn't say, I guess, this is our Christmas special and the season eight finale for the podcast. So I'm just, very, I'm just very privileged. <laughs> you yes. are. 
Yes. That's a twofer. That's a twofer. Right there. <laughs> it is. It's a twofer. Um, how about how about you, David? What was your uh, experience with Black Christmas? My experience was this? years ago. Um, I I watched this at a time that I was not supposed to be watching this. Um, mm-hmm. I was probably somewhere between ten and twelve. Um, but you know, as that's I've when mentioned, I wanted to. what's that? I said that's what I wanted to. All right. Yeah. Um. As you may well know from previous discussions, um, I discovered Scream at the tender age of three. So, you know, um, (laughs) there's there's this continuous, like, you know, testing of boundaries. And, you know, this film was that for me. Um, It was probably the most uh, gruesome thing I'd seen to date. It obviously had uh, a lot of stuff I shouldn't have learned. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it, uh, it surprised, you know, cause I didn't watch, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween until adulthood. Right. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's a different experience for me because, you know, I'm kind of seeing what was essentially a precursor to that, um, by a few years, um, and remembering just certain things about the, you know, the, the way that this film was done. Um, and uh, I don't think I remembered everything because uh, there were definitely some surprises this time around when I watched yeah. it. Um, you know, things that I really couldn't have accounted for, but uh, man, was it a ride. <laughs> so how about you, Kurt? What, what was your, what was your, um, what's your experience with Black Christmas? Wow. Um, so this is really going to tell my age um so i saw black christmas when it was called stranger in the house on network on tv yeah and so i was it was late at night and i was not supposed to be watching it um and this was in the 70s and so it was a a year or two before halloween was released i was a real little kid um but when halloween came out um, I actually snuck in to see that in the theater. So, you know, you all are talking about, you know, seeing Scream at the age of three. And here I am, you know, at the at the age of seven or, or no. How old was I? Yeah, I was 78. Seven. Yeah, seven or eight. Um, uh, sneaking in to a theater in a dark theater and watching all these teenagers scream and yell at the screen telling Jamie Lee Curtis how stupid she is. So, (laughs) yeah, I've always kind of been attracted to that horror experience. Mm -hmm. Now with, um, when stranger in the house, when I saw it on TV, of course, uh, there were, uh, I, there was not any of the, 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 the profanity or any of the, um, suggestive language and so forth in it. But it was still very um, frightening because, you know, at that time, very little had ever been produced that was sort of shocking like that. Now, yeah, I will tell you that same year Black Christmas came out, um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was released as well. And so, you know, you've kind of got Texas Chainsaw first, then -hmm. you got the follow-up with Black Christmas, and, you know... They're two very different films, but yet they're both considered slashers, right? Yeah. And right. so um, I guess my experience with it is is it it, it, it it pushed me and it drove me and it created, continued the excitement in me for um, uh, watching something suspenseful, horror-filled, like that, like watching that on TV was sort of a very memorable experience for me. And it stayed with me through the rest mm-hmm. of my life. Now, of course, I didn't remember the details and stuff until I rewatched it. But sure. I mean, I will tell you that it was it, it, it was very much a precursor to me pursuing my goals of, of writing, producing and hopefully directing horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the... Just, just kind of like because the opening definitely inspires these thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, with the comparisons to to Halloween. Because right. um, the first thing I thought was, man, I bet they wish they had a Panaglide. 
<laughs> because you can like you can see and like there's a there's a, apparently a whole complicated rig they did to get mm-hmm. like the POV shot that they did mm-hmm. for this movie. Um, and obviously it's not quite as impressive, uh, but like you can feel kind of the 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 shake of the cameraman mm-hmm. uh, going on. But even still, like the POV stuff works very well. Um, but I think like you can see how this movie was an inspiration. Uh, like this plus Psycho kind of equals Halloween almost, like in terms of inspiration goes. Um, I think a lot of people go a little wild with their uh, with their connections between the two movies. Sure. But yeah, no, I, I think that uh, I, I can definitely see where a lot of um, a lot of those pieces were kind of were kind of plucked. Um, something just like the opening credits. Right. I'm like, I recognize a lot of these names um, because this is like a fucking all star underrated cast yeah mm-hmm. like um obviously like margot ketter's in here and she's um incredible and um oh shit what was her name uh olivia hussey hussey mm-hmm. yeah um obviously known for romeo and juliet uh but margot ketter being lois lane i i was like i know i know th- i know her from something else uh she played talia al ghul in batman and superman the animated mm-hmm. series uh okay <laughs> so they both have a dc uh a dc credit <laughs> yes mm-hmm. um and then of course i mean oh fuck the um peter in the movie oh, uh he's Kurt Ker- 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 yes um he's he's uh dave in 2001 a space odyssey mm-hmm. um which what is doing, yeah dave? what are you what? doing dave holy mm-hmm. shit <laughs> yeah Oh, okay. Um, which is so funny. Before I put it together, I I, uh, I wrote a note where I said, um, <laughs> I said, I think discount Luke Skywalker here is up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and then my favorite of the cast, John Saxon, mm-hmm. who, uh, like, I mean, he's in fucking everything. I think a lot of horror fans will know him from. Enter the Dragon. Um, Enter, the, Enter the, dragon. the dragon, yeah, Enter is a the big dragon. one, and then mm-hmm. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. He's yeah, uh, in a few of those. Uh, he's usually playing a cop, and um, this I think is my favorite role with him. Like I, I really, really liked his character in this. It's movie. rich, yeah, it's yes. very richly mm-hmm. done. Well, I was I, I was just thinking with John Saxon. I don't know if you know this about him, but he actually, because he spoke fluent Italian, he actually did movies with Mario. Um, What's the guy that the the Italian, the horror? Um, there was a couple of movie, uh, a couple of directors. I know exactly who you're talking about, but I. It'll come to me. But he did several of those movies because he could speak fluent Italian, and so he went to Italy. And I think he just That's did it so he right. could go to Ita- Italy. Um, but um, <laughs> That's why a lot of people did. <laughs> I know. For the I pizza. know. Yeah, like for the pizza. Maybe so they like, go to the Pizza Hut there. And... I, know, I know, I know. Or the Olive Garden. The Olive the Garden. Ol- yeah. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. You go yeah. directly mm-hmm. to the source. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I just thought that was an interesting thing too because I have seen him in some of those. Lucio Lucio Fulci. Yeah. Okay, Lucio that's Fulci. the one I knew about. That's the one I knew about. Lucio yeah. Fulci. Yes, he he did several, I believe, for Lucio Fulci. No, he's like, yeah, he's like one of those iconic like horror character actors mm-hmm. from this era. And um, yeah, no, this was he was definitely a standout for me in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking a little bit about the the language in this film, um, and I there was a point like the first obscene phone call they get. Mm-hmm. Is uh, like uh, he just starts going off about her pretty pink cunt, and I was like, "Whoa, this is 1974! Holy shit!" Like I don't hear that mm-hmm. in movies now. Like, mm-hmm. I, I um, thought it was pig. Was pig it? Cunt. Was yeah. it would okay. have it would have very different meanings if it was spoken either way because if it was pink cunt, it would mean that he you know, was, was, um, sort of attracted to the woman, 
But if right. he called it a pig cunt, then he was going to, you know, he was very Objectify much against. and treat her. Yeah. 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 But, and so I really know that actually makes sense considering he does make a bunch of, like, snorting noises. Yeah. Like, not long after. Yeah. Snorting so. noises and he sticks them like a pig. Like, the whole thing is yeah. very. It just yeah. it informed the way that I saw everything that was happening. So that's how yeah. I heard it. <laughs> Quick editor's note, and I sincerely can't believe that I had to look this up. He did, in fact, say pig. And I mean, those phone calls like are, are creepy shit. Like yep. mm-hmm. they, they, um, uh, one thing, like I'll give this movie a lot. I, I will say I kind of went in with like medium expectations. Like sure. I didn't expect it to be bad, but I also didn't expect it to be great. Like I thought we were going to have, like, we'd go from like, this is really cool. Eh, this is kind of silly, but a lot of fun. This was like handled really well like all of the characters for mm-hmm. the most part felt like re- very real yeah um mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like you know you felt the intensity of the situation all of like the phone calls i'm like yeah i'd be disturbed if i got that phone call in the middle of the night um so yeah yeah um yeah, loved I, the comment that. i was gonna make initially when we were talking about the cast is exactly what you said it's the fact that the, I think the characters are one of the main strong points of this mm-hmm. of this film. You know, it's yep. you know we'll we'll get into this a little bit later probably, but um, you know the the story it fizzles in and out because there are so many loose threads that don't get picked yeah. back up after a while. Um, but it is the characters that make it bring uh, bring everything back to life, mm-hmm. even though okay. we're losing yeah. those threads. So, yeah, yeah, there there are several MacGuffins that don't ever play out and don't ever, go anywhere. Right? Yeah, they yeah. just yeah. kind of yeah. yeah. Let's see. Uh, I obviously like. I think the most iconic thing about the movie um, is the first kill of the movie. Sure. Uh, that being with the, I mean, like even just uh, the guy hiding behind the plastic bag mm-hmm. was like you know was already uh freaky enough and it's like i mean it's the poster of the movie like um you kind of know what you're what what's going to happen but like it's just like it's even like just playing it out is so freaky so um so great and then like just every once in a while cutting over to her just like you know sitting right by the window in plain sight yeah because they don't want you to get a sense of normalcy ever yes this whole time like things are happening people are talking about like you know everyday things but it's laced with this like intensity yeah the one thing that threw me for a while that i didn't realize i thought because obviously we go to the next day and she's missing and her dad comes looking for her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i kind of thought like no one checked her room because i thought she was still in there oh Um, i see and it like it was much i think when um the uh the older woman i uh what what is her title mrs um, mac right yeah the, mac. The, the, the the house mother mm-hmm. yeah yes. house mother thank you i was trying to think of house mother yeah yeah uh mrs mac comes in uh and you know she's uh she's uh doing all her various uh she's she's hitting up all her hiding spots for her booze mm-hmm. um and like it's not until like uh she bites it that i realized where uh, where she was because i'm like guys knock on the fucking door yeah. um and like so i i had to immediately like forgive every sin i thought the movie was committing <laughs> um but uh the other thought i had was man the one who got it the worst in this movie is claude the cat because having to be stuck in there with a dead body is terrible. Um, he seemed very interested, though. The whole time yeah. he's like licking he the bag. He came around. He came around. Yeah. Uh. He wasn't. He wasn't too put off. Um, I I find that uh, this movie, you know, continually uh, had. So you mentioned, for example, the the poster and like you yeah. know the yeah. I mean, we already know sort of what's happening right but um what this movie does and it commits to entirely is that sense of dramatic irony it's that that thing that you know hitchcock will flirt with it but bob clark is like fisting it like he's Mm -hmm. into it yeah like he's ready yeah you can kind of you can tell bob clark was very capable of doing comedy even at this point right um 
Yeah, that was yeah that was, that was a lot of fun. Also, this is probably the only movie that has a Santa worse than a Christmas story. Uh, the way mm-hmm. he's just like uh-huh. he's not even trying with the kids. It's <laughs> well, and you know you had Margot Kidder, you had Margot Kidder feeding the little child some alcohol too. So, That's you know. right. Well, I mean, I, it was I don't all think that kind. was necessarily uh, strange um, in itself. I mean. Come on. Yeah. Like, I know for a fact that when I was that age, my dad was like, hey, you want some beer? Like, <laughs> definitely. So I don't think it that strange, especially in the 70s. Yeah. You can, right. You can confirm for me, Kurt. But <laughs> Well, and you know, one of, one of the things you mentioned, Hitchcock, one of the things that this movie really reminded me of is when Hitchcock talked about, you know, when you show the – like – like if you have two people sitting at a table, right? Yeah. And then a bomb goes off, like you're shocked for an instant. But if you show the audience the bomb under the table and they're talking for 10 minutes, the audience's attention is, yeah. And yeah. so it almost feels like the bomb in this case is, you know, the the guy, the Billy. Killer, <laughs> Billy, whatever his name is, is up in the attic, right? Yeah, and so yeah. he's... And you're always wondering, when's he going to come down? When's he going to, right? And so it's got that. Or even just the girl, like finding her is like either one is just this sense of like, eventually, like one of these two things will be found. So, right. um, Yeah, no, it's like, it's, yeah, it's a, just a definite sense of dread throughout the whole thing. And also it plays on that, you know, the, the, what is the babysitter with the man, telling calling her on the phone telling her to check the children i don't know if it's yeah. an old it's an old wives tale or old myth when a you stranger know, that, calls yeah well yeah and when a stranger calls did a really yeah. good job with that but that was actually like this like an urban legend type yeah of deal. like yeah. the baby sitters would tell each other to scare the shit out of each other i mean that was yeah. kind of what they would do and so um i i i find that that kind of urban like you said urban legend um, it got played out quite a bit in the seventies. And so, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know why, uh, but it just felt like that was a real right time for not just that urban legend. There were several that kind of were, were yeah. dramatized. Um, so I don't know. And in the eighties into the eighties, but, um, yeah. It was mostly in the 70s. but that was what I wanted to, to kind of speak about is just kind of throw that in that it kind of reminded me of that bomb for the whole movie. Like, you know that the bomb is under the table the whole movie, but then it never goes off. Like, that's the... Yeah. Like, like for me, that's kind of where um, I have some issues, that when we get to the issues... Really? mm -hmm. See, I almost... like Because the other other thing that this movie, I think, does very well Mm -hmm. is, like, like I said, I thought Discount... Uh, Luke Skywalker was up to no good. Right. So um, mm-hmm. there's that was just a MacGuffin though. That was just yeah, yeah. Because like, just... they're just they're like they're playing with you. Almost. Yeah. Because like I mean, I I wrote down at one point Peter's pounding those ivories. Uh, I was just I like, I don't like this boy. And then he literally does later when he starts yeah. smashing apart yep. the grand piano. Like he does. Uh, that was great. But um, yeah, no, I was like. They did a very like thorough job of just convincing me like this whole like this whole uh, subplot with um what was what was the character's name uh, Olivia's name Jess right Jess Jess yeah Jess uh-huh. is like uh, um she's pregnant she's talking about getting an abortion um speaking of taboo things <laughs> for, right um, I know like I mean it does like a, this this great job of like setting this uh this whole thing up I think the mm-hmm. like. And I mean, like, you know, once the characters kind of catch on, like, that's, you know, it's it's adding a lot to it. But also around that same time is when I realized, oh, wait, why would he have killed anyone the day before? Right, right. You know, we get into the, the climax of the film, and obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot more to go back to. But, like, we see him creeping around the house, and I kind of expected... Like, you know, he's coming. Th- I mean, he breaks a fucking window like uh, like a lunatic. But um, I almost expected that someone was going to come up behind him or something. Like, I feel like that's what right. like and it would have worked. 
But in a way, it's almost what a lesser director would have done. Because what they do is even better. Oh, yeah. yeah. She takes him out and then we get the fucking like most haunting, creepy ending possible. Yeah. Where he's still mm-hmm. there. <laughs> like, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. Phone starts ringing. <laughs> One of my written notes is Jess did the right thing by killing Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Because let's be real, she had no way of knowing it wasn't him. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, I mean, true. Yeah, we even we even to your point, Tyler. Like, I I get that. Oh, why would he have started killing people the day before? But yeah. he does mention that he was seeing Claire too. He mentions uh, when he's talking to her father, he's like, "Oh yeah, I've taken her out." Oh, and I'm okay. like, oh, okay. So if he did mm-hmm. kill Claire, then that kind of like, there's something there. Sure. So okay. you're, I guess you're I like doing a little that. addition. Yeah. And it was just the weirdest little line that never went anywhere. And so yeah. I was like, where's, is he, what's happening? But yeah, all he said was, sure, I've taken her out and that's it. Like, yeah. you know, it, there, we don't get more of that. So and it's almost it's almost it, like they're almost playing with dramatic irony there. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there were a couple lines where they're like, you know, like they're doing little like little nudges of jokes, like uh, plays on words. But obviously that one's almost sort of a red herring. Like, oh, or, I mean, it's exactly a red herring. That's that's that's, a, that's precisely what a red herring is. Yeah. It is a red herring. <laughs> it's the reddest but, of but herrings. I, yeah, but I, 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 you know, you. I think what, because I, I was talking before about this, but uh, one of the things that I struggle with with this movie, because it's so different from anything else. Because, I mean, if you think of Psycho, you're mm. introduced to the killer, but you don't know who the killer is when you first see the movie, right? Yeah. Um, in, the, in Hitchcock's Rope, in all the different kinds of mysteries that came before this, you were introduced... Um, to the, you might've had multiple red herrings, people, suspects, but you were always introduced to them at some point. Um, this one, you never are like, you never even like the only thing you see is the eyeball, right? Like that's the most like, ah, thing, but But I kind of love it. I know. I'm not going to lie. I know, I, I know. I love I know. that they fucking faked us out, and then it's just some fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, like, it's yeah. some fucking guy, and he probably yeah. has a history with the house because you yeah. saw the little toys, and he's got a story about like Agnes, his baby Agnes. sister Agnes, probably. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's all this stuff that like you're trying to pick up on it. It's never actually fully there, but right. to your point, Kirk, like what I would call that moment is. Uh, I, I would call it the reversal of the expected cathartic moment. Like we're expecting mm-hmm. things to resolve this way, yeah. but instead yeah. they resolve this way. And it's like, okay, all right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm all for maybe that it's shit. just <laughs> my ta- Maybe it's just my taste. Like maybe I, I'm yeah. sure. Like, yeah. That yeah. ambiguity, that, that much ambiguity for me and an ending of, like that, like, you know, you, you, you understood who the character was. You knew the guy was crazy. Yeah. You knew a little bit about his background, you know, but you, yeah. you, you, you knew that he did horrible things to these people. Yeah. You know, you get everything, but you know, w- w- what you would like to have. And sure. I, I don't know for whatever reason, maybe it's just, I am so used to movies today always doing that maybe yeah. that's the issue the need. well and it, i mean it's all i mean it's almost the opposite too like so many movies just like you you expect resolution so much that when you don't mm-hmm. get it it's almost upsetting to me it's like um it makes it 10 times scarier is like it's yeah. like it's this it's this thing like oh you think he got it all figured out here's just this sense of unknown uh and like the moment we talked about like the only the scene where you know this this fuck up of a police officer uh just like completely ignores what john saxon is saying and tells her that he's inside Mm -hmm. so her better you know 
her um her better judgment goes out the window so that she can right. protect her friends. Right. Uh, she discovers them and then just sees like through the crack in the door the eye. Like, yeah. oh, it's so fucking freaky. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. But like just yeah, everything leading up to that, like uh when they're trying to trace the phone calls. Yeah, um right. like I mean I don't have many yell at my TV moments. Uh but like and it's not like it's not me getting angry at the movie. It's just me shouting, Find the fucking phone <laughs> <laughs> Well and 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 you know, and two what they what my assumption is is like at the end they're assuming that he was calling from another phone that people could see somewhere in the house, but yeah, he was doing it actually from the attic, which is really an odd place to have a phone. Yeah. But oh, I thought it was in Mrs. Max room. Yeah. I want to say maybe it is in the attic, but I, I picked up on the fact when they uh, said Mrs. Mac has another number, but he's not calling that phone. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, so like he, that's the phone he's calling from. Otherwise, obviously, it wouldn't work. But um, it, that like that offered enough of an explanation to me. To, like the mates, the thing that didn't make sense is how the fuck do they not hear this guy in the other right. room? <laughs> right. But, like, but, and why didn't they look in the attic? Like that's why yeah. I keep I I I keep coming back yeah. to that. Right. Like yeah, that part of the ending was very confusing. Yeah. It's just it's it's an interesting because I will tell you talking about lesser directors the remake that came out in 20, 2006 yeah. tries to go back and explain and give all the backstory and give the flashbacks and give all of the things no, of the you. killer and it just ruins it. I mean, I was gonna say it how was did that go? Awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob Clark produced that one. He didn't direct it or write it. He just produced it but yeah. well that probably just meant he gave him his blessing yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he was disappointed as well he signed off on it he's right. like well i mean it can't yeah. be worse than baby uh super babies baby geniuses too i mean they could have made at least a f- friggin' sequel you know they could have yeah. made well and it's you know, so strange it's so strange that this movie doesn't have a sequel i'm glad it doesn't well i think um, they made it in 2018 that second remake was the sequel because I think they had, uh, you know, who played oh, Bill? It's like a, it's like a soft reboot almost, kind of yeah. like a Halloween twenty eighteen. The one that played deal, like. Bill, um, the one that you know, she she walks in, she sees Margot Kidder, and she turns, and then the door mm-hmm. shuts. She plays the house mother. To in the new movie in the in the okay. twenty eighteen remake, oh, and so so okay. they do have sort of these trying to get these little connections, but it is kind of a a sequel like it's what happened 25 years after but going back a little bit like Mm -hmm. i think one of like i was just um you know i I had a lot of thoughts just throughout the movie like when they're when they're going out for the search party and everything like Mm -hmm. the atmosphere in this movie is just thick like butter like Mm -hmm. that that's so good and i just thought it was super interesting that our being kind of like the proto version of the slasher genre, which is very mm-hmm. much so known for, I mean like the, the archetypal final girl for mm-hmm. those is, is the virgin girl. Right. Uh, whereas obviously um, our protagonist is contemplating having an abortion, like right. uh, very much so like the opposite and it works great. Yeah. Here. Well, um, I mean, you think about, she's a layered character. <laughs> well, you think about the reversal in more than just, the the single girl right like we're talking about an entire like environment where you know like things like promiscuity and drinking and all this stuff is like that's an important asset Mm -hmm. to touch upon and um you know the thing that i look at if we're going to talk about the idea of like archetypal virginity playing a role in the final girl is the fact that she still wants her future yeah. You know, this this whole like, you know, I don't want the baby is really like I don't want the ties down that yeah. come with, you know, no longer becoming that virgin person. And it's so weird because like, you know, Peter is like be, and it's because Peter's not good uh, right. <laughs> at, at his dream. So he's like he's ready to throw in the fucking towel and like settle down and just have like, you know the every man's life and he and she just goes i don't want to marry you yep. <laughs> like yeah first she says out. i can't and he goes no yeah. it's fine we'll do it it'll work yeah he yeah. goes nope i don't want to and that's the like 
Yeah, I love that because choice, I think, is a super important part of this yes. story. Now, when you talk about um, in 1974, one of the things that I found really fascinating because it was very different from any movie that came before is that you're talking about the women sort of being able to make choices. I think of it more as this movie gave women a sense of agency over their lives that was not present before then. Before yeah. then, the world dictated what women would do. The men would help the women. The women were always mm. these little, um, you know, arm candy things that, that were objectified, right? Well, that's and, why and, the house mother is such an important character. She, yeah. she addresses that, like, yeah. on her own, in her thoughts, like, in, yeah. such, a, in such a human way. It's not... Oh, well, mm-hmm. we're women and we get choices. Like, it wasn't stiff. It wasn't broken. It was. This isn't. Yeah, this isn't a man writing, quote unquote, strong yeah. woman. This yeah. is like. Th- these are like actual fucking. Like, they're written like actual people. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, we yeah. don't actually. Like, you know, we don't spend enough time with any of them to the point where it's like they get to be super layered or anything. But they're well written characters, mm-hmm. first and foremost. They don't mm-hmm. like. Because what I expected is what Kurt explained. Uh, right, right. I, I expected a bunch of dumb bimbos getting fucking mm-hmm. stabbed. Mm-hmm. And that's not what happened. It was fucking. Like, it was actually good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me, this kind of represents sort of, um, at that time, kind of that first wave of feminism that had come from the 60s. Yeah. That kind of that first wave was very, very important because of, you know, before then, women were just, you know, second class citizens, basically. Right. Whereas here you have this movie where the women have a sense of agency. They can take charge of their own lives. They can make choices for themselves without the help of anyone else. That is not something that you saw. Like you did not see that in any film in the 60s. And so I think, yes, it is kind of a horror gem and and, and so forth. But I also think there are statements made in the movie that are reflective of the times, but also reflective of the change. Yeah, and the change that was beginning to occur in film history. And then you see it go back, you know, um, uh, you know, kind of goes back and forth in waivers sure. and so the forth. Sure, the 80s were but... pretty reductive. I mean, yeah. <laughs> let's be oh, real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, I think it's due to, you know, we'll use the term flanderization here. But I think it's due to the flanderization of the archetypes we've identified in these mm-hmm. early and, you know, especially the socially shifting media with, that we, like, started to identify with. We're like, oh, yeah. that's really cool. How about we do that again in another film? And they lose all the stuff that made it complex yeah. and rich. I mean, yeah. it's it's the same – It I, because the 70s were a, uh, a great period of, you know, art changed – yeah, technology were director too. driven, yeah. and then yeah, yeah like right. that too as well. Um, and then the eighties are like, oh, we like a few things that you did here, and let's 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 make rinse a and repeat. Version of yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, like you know, I love. Pl- I mean, I love plenty of eighties movies, but obviously, sure. like um, the the seventies did it better. I don't think anyone's gonna fucking argue with that. Um, let's be real. The battle cry of the eighties movie is just formula formula. Like, yeah. And I mean, I, it's fun. No. Yeah. It's a good formula. Yeah. It's a good formula. There's there's a reason why cliches exist, right? It was an idea someone had thousands of years ago that was really good. And then it got used too much. And then, yeah, it's like, cause we almost like, yeah, it's, there's a, there's a rebellion against it. Sure. In the seventies almost. And in like, and then later on in the nineties, because the fucking, you know, it's like very much so defined as like the Reagan era. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I, I because like is, is like sanitize, sanitizes a lot of media. <laughs> like, right. Well, the Reagan era was actually in the early eighties. I mean, my bloody Valentine. No, no, I'm, yeah, I'm talking. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like, like okay. that's the Transition. sanitized period. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then, yeah. yeah, we get into the nineties and like, we kind of get the fun, like independent tweens, artists. The tw- but we get a lot of tween kind of teenager. Like you see a lot more of, um, a lot more focus. Uh, you do get like good dramas and so forth, but, 
uh, you still have these kind of, once again, these reductive type of movies until you get to the late 90s, you know, with Scream kind of yeah. making it yeah, they wanted more to go aware meta. of itself. Yeah, yeah, more aware of itself. Yeah, yeah. And then in the early 2000s, they did it too hard. Yeah. Because it's, again, we're like, oh, yeah. we, we know we what to do it. now. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I I will admit I ate that shit up. Like, if oh, yeah. we if we did a Scream podcast with all five of those movies, I'd do hey, it. Hey, guys. Guys, I've never seen Scream. <laughs> Screw you, Tyler. Um, it's, not, it's not for lack of want. You no, know? You, I, I think that you would be rewarded greatly yeah. for watching the first one um yeah and you know from there there are lessons you can learn from the others just for fun but yeah the, the one that changes things much like black christmas is the first one of its kind yeah and so um you know that's something to take away i think i uh, mean is it any consolation that i've seen halloween h2o which is just trying to be scream is it are i wouldn't use the word consolation <laughs> But that movie, but that movie has a Creed song in the end credits. Oh, so yes, that does console does. me. So, uh, yeah, that makes me feel better about your choices. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Um, once again, it is about like you were talking about this reversal of expectations. Um, mm. Mm, but <laughs> I think but. here's what I here's what I think it is. Here's what I think it is. Like when I watched, when I can't watched, wait for these scores. Well, when you watch the whole, like, all the way through, from beginning to end, yeah. tonal, tonally, there it is. There is some instability, like, like when you're, like, like the tone of the movie is not stable all the way through. Sure, and I think it is because, like, you're you're going to these different MacGuffins and you're getting changes mm-hmm. in locations, and that's changing it, but it. That is part of what kind of draws me back from giving it a really great score. Yeah, it's the pivot from for Act One to Two is like a little messy. It takes a little Convolu- too long. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then like it's trying, like you know, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it falls flat per se. No, comedy wise, no. but like I think like it spends too much time trying to be funny, like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like with the uh, fellatio joke, right? Like the yeah, fellatio right. joke, and yeah, she like it didn't really it belong, and, and it doesn't yeah. go anywhere. It just felt a little, yeah. So that's what I mean when I say like it's there's some instability throughout. Like it may be an editing thing, it may be, yeah, I don't know, but it, it just felt like if you had lost that little these little pieces, it would not yeah. have changed felt the that experience. Way. Uh, God, there was something I was thinking as you were speaking. Um, you were talking about the fellatio joke, and we were talking about what else was there. Was it about Creed? No, it wasn't about. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. Um, so <laughs> that I can help. Um, it's about the fact that you know, it, if you like, pause and think about it for just a second. His uh, his other Christmas movie is a ton of vignettes bob yeah clark, bob clark did a christmas story as mm-hmm. a bunch of tiny little stories that you know i mean they're meant to stand on their own but also you know they they stand together and so it's interesting to see that this kind of attempts it you know these separate MacGuffins, all these things yeah. that, you know, disperse. But it goes in the opposite way of what mm-hmm. A Christmas Story does. A Christmas Story brings them all together. Yeah. But a Black, Christ- a Black Christmas sends them in different directions. And it is all about misdirection. I mean, it is. Sure. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it achieves its goal. Mister- right. Yeah. It, yeah. Does. it does. Now, I don't know. Did you all stay to the very end of the credits? With the phone ringing, over I have to admit, I over did not. Over I, yeah, there, okay. I mean, there were. I I got to the phone part, but I didn't stay yeah. to the end of the credits. I'll admit. Yeah, it, nothing happened. It just no one answered oh, okay. the phone. Yeah, yeah, that's kind and of I what love I that was happening. I love that. Um, yeah, like just that. No, I did like well, that. That was a cool ending. I thought that. Yeah, was no, I I I love <laughs> I love the entire ending. It just like, um, 
No, it was funny because like 30 minutes, I had like 30 minutes left in the movie and my friends called me up or uh, texted me and asked if I wanted to come hang out. I was like, I've got 30 minutes left in this movie. I'm going to finish it. <laughs> and then we can hang. <laughs> and then we can hang out. But I was like, I'm, I was like, uh, I'm like, I'm so glad I'm going to go hang out with friends right now. I don't want to be alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully you don't have any glass unicorns around you. No, none of those hanging okay. around. Oh, by the way, uh, um, all the kills were great. Oh yeah, um, love well, the fuck there out were of some, those. There were some that took place even off screen. Like yeah, Bill's was off screen, and um, the cop in the car he got his threat that yeah. was off screen. And I obviously I knew he 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 yeah. uh, he had to buy it. At some yeah, point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, had to. That and um, they were just trying great... to save money. You know, they were just trying to oh, save yeah. money. To oh, do, yeah. You know, but the <laughs> um, but we were talking about just like the phone ringing. Um, the be- like especially with just the phone being such a big part of this movie mm-hmm. as a, as a part of the narrative. Um, the movie is so well edited. Uh, but there's one little match cut that I love so much. It's when they find the little girl out in the out in the woods, and mm-hmm. they use um, you like hear a phone ringing over the mom's scream yes uh, oh, yeah. so good so yep. fucking mm-hmm. good like it's a perfect thematic match cut like let's go ahead and give final thoughts final thoughts and your jamie rating um david you want to go first sure yeah so final thoughts um an incredibly enjoyable experience um especially now as an adult and being able to appreciate a lot of the things that I think flew over my head. Um, Mm -hmm. So there, the one thing that I felt um, needed to be said was just that, again, those loose ends for me, um, you know, kind of uh, altered my experience just a little bit of the story, but um, overall uh, I'd say I'd give it 8.5 Jamie's. Nice. Okay. How about you, Kurt? Okay, so once again, what upon rewatch, um, um, I had a, a, a great experience. It it really took me back to when I first, when I was a little kid, watching it on TV. Um, and and like David, I was able to gain a little bit of a different understanding, being an adult, and you know, kind of watching it now with these eyes that are a little more. Um, educated about filmmaking than I was before. And so that made it, that even kind of enhanced the experience for me somewhat. Um, I will also agree with David. There were some loose ends, these kind of MacGuffins Mm -hmm. that were taking you to different places that kind of, kind of you went and then it just disappeared from the rest of the story. Um, You know, you never saw or heard about it again. Um, once again, maybe that's just like that tonal aspect I was talking about that just a little uneven throughout. Um, but I, I also look at this movie as kind of, it's, it's almost like the cliches have gone so far. It's come back around again that, Mm -hmm. you know, now like you, you all are watching this thinking, wow, I'm so surprised. And you know, wow, it, it kind of um, uh, exceeded my expectations or, or my expectations were um, sort of, 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 of uh, upset because, you know, what I was thinking was going to happen, something different happened and it surprised me and it made it fun. But yet it happened in 1974. So yeah, what that's telling right. me too is like how filmmaking has progressed, kind of gotten into this sort of formulaic approach mm-hmm. whereas if you take a look at a movie like black christmas even though it's not a perfect movie it does have these elements of surprise that you don't see in movies today that i think if you did you would get a great response from audiences because it would up upend expectations right um, so I will, I guess, on a scale of Jamie's, which you'll have to explain Jamie's to me. Um, I mean, it's a little above average. Okay. It's a little above average. Um, um, and, and it does have that historical significance. I'll give it a 6.5. All right. Well, um, like you said, it's not perfect. There are loose ends that go unsolved, but 
I can't say there's anything about the movie that I didn't like. Um, so if it's just my, you know, from me, uh, it's haunting. It's so well written. I love this movie. Um, recently I saw that it came out with a new 4K remaster. Um, I'm definitely getting it. Oh, shit! <laughs> yes! <laughs> We're on Zoom right now and he just held it up for me to look at. Ah! It's got three discs in it. Three discs. Holy shit. Kurt showed me that just before our call. That's hilarious. Well, I'm, I'm de- I definitely want to get it. The one thing, because I watched it on Tubi. It's available on Tubi for anybody who mm-hmm. wants to watch it for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I noticed the audio wasn't great. And I'm wondering if some of that got touched up on. Yes. They also have missing sound effects and dialogue replaced. So Holy shit. Okay. So is, well, that's, um, that's great. Um, so... I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give this nine Jamie's. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love, I love Halloween. Um, I think I gave Halloween like an eight or maybe like a seven or an eight. Um, right. just because there are certain elements like, you know, uh, some of the acting isn't perfect or whatever. Um, but like, obviously you're never going to beat like Dean Cundy's cinematography and like a lot of John Carpenter's direction and everything. Right. But like just starting from the screenplay, like we've, we we're working on solid ground here and it's like, you know, obviously one's a more iconic movie for a reason. There's a reason Halloween took off above this one, but sure. this is a great fucking movie. Um, and I highly recommend it, <laughs> but that does it for season eight of yeah, the Illumination Cinema Movie Podcast. Uh, we have a great slate lined up for next year. Boy, do um, we. And we're going to have all kinds of new guests um, from outside of IC. Uh, Jillian is going to join us at some point, I'm sure. Right. Uh, we've got her on there a couple times. I'll twist uh, Kurt's arm again. Yeah, they have to make that happen. Um, we'll see the audience response. They may yeah, not. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we shouldn't make any promises. You don't make promises. The audience over, may not like. Like a lead yeah. balloon. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, twist exactly. your arm either way. It, it'll just be a punishment if it doesn't do well. But yeah, we'll see you guys in the new year. See ya. Goodbye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Illumination Cinema Movie Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. For updates on this show and their other projects, get your parents' permission to go to IlluminationCinema.com. Today, we are talking about Blob, Blob, Blob? The Blob. blob. I love the Blob. That's a good one. Are we can talk about that blob one. Clark? Uh-huh. We got to get the song going if we're going to watch the Blob. <laughs> That's going at the end of the episode. Okay. <laughs>